Yo, this is Mark Saunders, and you are listening to the Sound of Ice podcast. This is episode, I believe, six. <clears throat> like I said, these first ten episodes are going to be straight, basic, not a whole lot of frill. Just uh, me, the microphone, maybe a tad bit of compression, and that's about it. I'll get uh, just get used to actually doing this on a regular basis before I start really jazzing it up. Uh, two things I want to talk about. One, you know, always talking about using Switcher. Now, I'm very heavily promoting Switcher Studio, and I'm not getting paid for it. But it is such an easy app to use, and it's so powerful, it is wild. <clears throat> um, and also talk about um, adding depth to your recordings, which I've talked about in some way, but... Uh, just want to go into talking about reverb. Uh, reverb kind of gets a bad rap. You know, people t- tend to call it echo. But um, where it gets a bad rap is when people overuse it or they over dilute a track or an instrument with reverb. But you do have to put some type of reverb on an instrument on a vocal or even on a uh, sometimes even on a uh, like a drum and bass loop to give you some space some kind of width in the recording in your productions so um, like I said Using your default reverb in your application may work if you want to use something a little bit more, um, a little more rich, a little more just kind of have a little bit more earthiness to it, or just a little bit, just gives it a better flavor. Uh, to me, I think Lexicon makes the best reverbs. I mean, those I've tried their reverbs before; they were so lush, it was ridiculous. So it's not it's not hard to find a Lexicon reverb plugin. So try playing around with that, see how that works out for you. But I mean, just just use the reverb on your thing. But if you keep it using the reverb on the vocal, you try to not have it more than on the sense level. Have it set it at probably at the highest twenty percent or twenty dB. If the knob is more like a percentage, you want to send about. I don't know, forty percent. If it's if it's going from zero to a hundred, send it about forty percent, so that you can you can hear it when it's isolated, but you don't really hear that much <coughs> in the recording. And you will say, well, if I can't hear it in the recording, what? Why do? Why should I do it at all? Every little thing compiles up. Every little thing builds up into something bigger. So having a little bit of reverb in this vocal adds with the reverb that's on this instrument or the reverb that's on this track or whatever else, it adds together, it all builds together. Uh, second thing I wanted to talk about is actually using Switcher Studio specifically. Um, we already talked about you know the difference between using that or, or uh, Restream or something like that. Um, there's a good use for Restream, but it's not strictly just for going straight to restream that that's a whole nother subject 
this is about getting audio into re- into stu- uh, Switcher Studio. Uh, the best way to do it is to use a USB mixer or a USB interface. So I'm if you want to be specific, what can I use specifically to get the audio into Switcher Studio from what I'm ever doing? <laughs> Two ways of going about it. One is the analog way, basically using the headphone port. The other way is via USB. Headphone port, you're going to use something like the iRig Pre or the iRig Pro. I think it's iRig, iRig Pre. I don't know what the Pro does. iRig. I think the Pro is USB. Not positive. Ah. Well, the Pro is... It's like, like the Pre. It's basically, it's an interface that... There's a lot of iRig uh, or products that do this. They give you a mic input or two mic inputs. And... It converts it into almost like a almost like a headphone jack level. That way you can plug it right into the headphone jack. And it uses uh, a TRRS connection. Uh, a TRS connection is what you usually see on your uh, either on your headphones or you see it in some what they call balance cables in the studio. And the TRS means tip ring sleeve. So you're looking at the connector itself. You'll see the tip, a ring, a sleeve. And then uh, the electricity is coming on the tip. The ring is a separator. The sleeve is the other side. So there's the left and the right. The tip ring ring sleeve is one is the left, one is the right of the between the ring, I don't, I don't know what I can't remember which one, how it's actually wired, but either between the ring, the other ring, and the sleeve, uh, I mean the ring, the other ring, and the tip. One is the left of the headphones, one is the right of the head, headphones or stereo connection, and one is the mic input. So this has it set up so it can actually. Uh, however the, the, the device is actually set up if it's just a one channel, two channel, whatever else but I will tell you this Switcher Studio only it will only see a stereo input so if you're using an external output or input into Switcher Studio you, you'll only be able to use left and right directly into there so if you want to use more than two channels you will have to either well you basically have to use a mixer so you could either have a mixer, analog or digital, and mix everything down to a channel. Now, keep in mind that if you're using your mixer for live performance also, that when you're mixing live sound, it's not going to be the same way you're mixing uh, for your uh, live stream. So uh, 
have like a separate mix going on if you're doing a digital mix have a separate mix or you can uh, on your if you got an analog mixer you can set your analog mixer to output especially a lot of the higher end ones to output like a group output like a group mix so you can send out you can have a smaller mixer off to the side that you're actually mixing your live stream audio with and um have one line send coming off and it could be like all the instruments the other one would be all the vocals and the other one would be like like the pastor's vocal if you're doing this for church or something like that you know just dedicated lines for stuff and that way they can fix uh they can mix it all the whoever's running the live stream can mix it themselves um flip side is using a usb uh mixer but like I said, it's only going to read the like that one output one and two. That's what you're pushing to, and that's what you're sending it to. So that's what you have to focus on is a left and a right. So what you need to do with a digital mixer is to make a sub mix, an auxiliary mix that's dedicated it's off to the side. That's going to be have different levels, different settings, and everything else, and hopefully has room mics on it. Send that. Switch to studio. Bam. There you go. And using the, only use the Apple products as far as the dongles to get the stuff into the iPad. Because otherwise you use something else, it probably ain't going to work. Um, that is really it. I really didn't have anything much to think about this week. Um, my biggest thing to think about is trying to figure out how to use Ableton as far as, uh, programming it and trigger certain uh aspects of a song like how to trigger a a chorus or the verse from the keyboard from the pads so i'm still playing around with that trying to figure that out uh the different writing options ableton's really powerful man but like i said in a previous episode the clip based triggering aspect of Ableton has now been introduced into all pretty much all the other dolls that's out there so Logic has a clip based form so has I believe so does Pro Tools and um, uh, Digital Performer which is uh, I think it's put out by Motu alright y'all that's it just wanted to make sure I stayed on doing my episodes and everything else um Oh, another tip. Uh, use monitors to mix. I know that sounds like a like a no-brainer, you know. But using a good pair of monitors can really open up your mix and really give you an idea what what's missing. You know, because sometimes you, you're using a pair of headphones that may not be that big great. Or it's just, you just need the sound to be off of your personal body for you to be able to really hear your mix. So, uh, get a good pair of near-field monitors. I got a pair of Personas, I think, E5, Eris E5s. They're pretty decent. If I was, if money wasn't an option right now and I, I could just get something like this in the same size or range, I'd probably get, uh, there's a company called Atom. They have probably the best monitors out there. And, the way that they design it, they use a, a ribbon tweeter. But this looks like a flat piece of uh, looks almost like it kind of looks like a ribbon. But it, it doesn't 
when you sometimes listen to speakers for a long time, you get fatigued on, especially with headphones. You don't get ear fatigue as quick with the atom monitors. So maybe that may be a good look uh, thing to look into. But yeah, Switcher Studio, you have to use a USB mixer, I think, to get your best option out of it. You're using something really low scale. If you're, if you're mixing off, getting sub mixes off your main mixer and you want to mix it down further or you just only need about three or four inputs, uh, the Rodecaster Pro, I believe that's what it is. Yeah, man, everybody's using this thing, and it is perfect. Because it, I think it has, like, three or four channels. So it's enough to run, you know, microphones from, like, you're using you and a guest, or you doing a sub-mix with only a couple of inputs, and then you have pads off to the sides to either trigger certain sounds or maybe even program it to play intro music and stuff like that or certain videos so man i think it's really nice and it's, it's not terribly expensive so that about be a good look to look into all right y'all this is mark saunders this is the sound device podcast and i'll holler at you later bye